0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Bonnie and I'm sitting down with Mark Myers. Um, Mark has made our beautiful cross that we've been using in our Sunday morning worship space and he has put so much thought and care into the process of this cross, which is not only just beautiful to look at, um, but also has so much meaning in that process for him. So, um, Mark, welcome. Good to have you chatting with me today.
1: Yeah, great to join.
0: Mark is the director of our worship in teams at City of Light, and the teams mm-hmm. part is new. So you're it's doing new. a lot during <laughs> the season of COVID, and um, it's so good to, to finally be able to talk more about this cross. I know we've been using it for mm-hmm. several months now, and I just wanted to have this opportunity to sit down with you, Mark, because you have made the cross that we've been using on Sunday Mm -hmm. mornings in our worship space. Mm -hmm. And it's a really beautiful cross, but not only that, it has this really beautiful story behind Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And City of Light has this kind of interesting history with our crosses in our worship space, actually. Mm -hmm. So our first, and I don't even know if you know this, Mark, but our first (laughs) processional cross that we used... um, for our preview services was made by Roberto Campos mm. like b- decades ago. Mm-hmm. So when he was at church of the resurrection, our sending church, he made this cross and we found it in the warehouse at res when we planted <laughs> because Roberto said, Oh, I think there's a cross that I made. We yeah. should take it with us to city of light. So he made that one. And then it's when amazing. we moved into weekly services, um, he made our very large cross, mm-hmm. but then as we were regathering at, you know, during COVID, we kind of thought we have to be a little more light on our feet. Mm -hmm. We have to make something a little bit smaller. Yeah. So you were like, I'll make a cross. Yes. Which was awesome. (laughs) Um, And one thing that we have really sensed from the Lord and other leaders at City of Light have really sensed from the Lord is that need for beauty in this past year, which has felt like such a desert season. Mm -hmm. Um, and even in that season of the desert, though, we want to be able to share and celebrate where we see those, those blossoms in the desert, like where the Lord is actually bringing life and Mm -hmm. fruit. Um, and one of the ways we do that is through the arts. Yeah. So I think this cross is such a, a part of that beauty. Um, Mm -hmm. so so we've sensed that from the Lord of the need for beauty in our worship space in song and in visual arts and in our worship space. Um, Would you just share, I know that you had a really beautiful kind of case study from Mm -hmm. the Bible about that. Would you just share more about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when we began to have some discussion around our new worship space and specifically, around this word on beauty. Um, one of the passages from scripture that the Lord immediately brought to my mind was towards the end of Exodus, mm-hmm. that uh, kind of just the final couple chapters there. Um, it's that point in the Bible, which if you kind of start your Bible in a year reading plan, it might be the place where you <laughs> where you stop, <laughs> which is, uh, it's all those descriptions of, the building of the tabernacle, the construction of the tabernacle. And there's incredibly detailed descriptions in those passages about what goes into that construction, about um, uh, everything from the materials that are used, these really extravagant materials, rare materials, and and the craftsmen who are um, tasked with making that and, and the patterns and, and just all kinds of details about, yeah, this really sort of, uh, it seems to be sort of extravagant or over the top, um, uh, instructions for building a tabernacle in the middle of the wilderness. Um, and I think that that, that always struck me about that story was, you know, why would God... Call his people to, you know, take um, the best of their possessions of what they had with them in this journey in the wilderness and to make something so beautiful and so ornate um, and so extravagant. Mm-hmm. Um, even while they were trying to be light on their feet, even while there was um, just a lot of barrenness and sort of sense of fallow, um, season around them. Um, yeah. And I just think that, uh, beauty isn't actually so much ornamental as it is a central thing. It actually grounds us in reality. Um, and for, and for us, it grounds us in the reality that, uh, even in the wilderness, even in barrenness and waste, uh, God's presence is here. God's glory is here, um, and, and these are the truest and most ultimate realities, um, and that the making and enjoying of beauty is one way that we just ground ourselves in that reality, that God's here. He's with us in the middle of the wilderness.
0: Mm, I love that, and don't we need that more than ever this, yeah. year, this past year? And just, <laughs> uh, I love what you said about that, um, it grounding us because this season I think has felt so disembodied and like there's nothing tactile or real to cling to with Mm -hmm. all of us being separated and behind screens. And so I think that's so true and so needed for us, especially Mm -hmm. as Christians.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: why don't you tell me a little bit about the process of building this cross. What mm-hmm. materials did you use? How did you think about that?
1: Yeah. Well, I. Yeah, I tried to put a lot of thought into it, um, in as much time as as we had to actually make it before we moved into the space. We wanted to try and get it ready in time for that first Sunday back. Um, but yeah, so I think maybe the first thing that that I would point out is, just like you said, the material that the cross is made out of, um, it's made out of cedar wood. Um, And the reason that I picked cedar is because um, the image of the cedar tree is actually a really powerful symbol used throughout throughout the whole Bible. Um, It's actually used over 100 times as an image in the Bible, Um, lots in the Psalms, lots in the prophets. one particular place which, uh, which came to my mind um, is Isaiah 41, starting in verse 17. It says, uh, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their, tongue, their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys." I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar, mm. and the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I'll set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that many people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Mm. And that, In that passage, you know, cedar is just kind of used to symbolize the restoration um, that God will bring to His people, and and through His people ultimately to all the nations of the earth, yeah. um, and I felt like that was such a it was such a connecting passage for me um, for the season that we were in as a church right before the pandemic hit. Oh, yes, remember. <laughs> we remember those days. It
0: Feels like a long time
1: ago. It does. <laughs> Yeah, but just we were in this season of um, trying to live more into our identity as a church who is called to the nations um, and called to the nations who are on our doorstep, the nations who are in our city, um, to um, live more into becoming a multi ethnic, multi racial, multicultural church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also. The season that we found ourselves in, which was one of, of barrenness of, um, the sense of being suddenly thrust out into the wilderness. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, the kind of the hope for restoration, um, but also the hope that, um, that restoration would then, uh, grow and abound to all peoples, yeah. um, And so the cedar, um, the cedar is actually picked up a number of times in the Bible after that too. I think of, um, you know, 1 Kings 5, um, where it talks about cedar being given by the king of Phoenicia to King Solomon, um, when, and Solomon uses that wood to build the temple in Jerusalem, um. And, you know, in, in that story, Solomon is really, he's this kind of imperfect image of the nations streaming to a king who provides a way for the people to meet with God and to be in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this imperfect image of Solomon actually points us to the perfect image of Jesus Um Uh, where the gospel proclaims Jesus as the true king of the world through whom God will gather all the nations to himself and in whom we can know and experience the fullness of God's presence. Mm.
0: Um, That goes along so perfectly with, you know, kind of our founding passage of Isaiah 60, of nations mm -hmm. streaming to the light of God and the city of God. Yeah,
1: And, and even how, um, just bringing it all back, you know, scripture describes the place and the means by which that happens, the means by which God gathers all people to himself, um, as through the cross. Yeah. Um, I think of the passage in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2, 12 through 14, um, where Paul says, uh, remember that at one time... You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Yeah. Um, and I just love the centrality that Paul gives to the cross in that work, um, that is, it's in the cross, it's in that redeeming and restorative work of Christ, um, that we find our peace and our restoration. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that, Mark. Um, you've been so thoughtful with this process, and <laughs> I was just like laughing as you were <laughs> talking about the different kinds of trees in that <laughs> Isaiah passage. And I'm like, oh, I guess you couldn't find any cypress, but you know, yeah. cedar's, pretty good. cedar's good too. Cedar's yeah, the next sh- best that thing. That shows up in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, that's also good. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I know that you also thought a lot about the the makeup of the wood itself and that you yeah. put these broken fragments of yeah. wood into the cross itself. Would you yeah. talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that was something that I actually didn't um, plan ahead of time at first. But in the process of making the cross, um, you know, there the cross is made out of these two different beams of wood, mm-hmm. who are which are joined together in the middle um, by something called a half-lap joint. Um, and to make that, you just have to uh, slowly saw little pieces one by one mm-hmm. out of the center of the wood. And kind of what you end up with is like, you know, a bunch of little shards, fragments of broken scrap wood from that. Um, And I remember uh, towards the end of that process when there was just a a pile of scrap wood on the floor, um, looking down at that and just thinking about the idea of scrap wood, the idea of things um, when you're making something beautiful Things going to waste, you know, yeah. um, and and from there I was just drawn to the idea that uh, through the cross, in God's economy of grace, um, nothing is ever wasted. Right. Uh, no sin or mistake, no moment of suffering. Um, nothing no is. Year ever, of pandemic. No year of <laughs> pandemic. No, yeah, and I think that that was something that I think a lot of us were going through at the time and some of us maybe still, um, it's just the idea that, you know, the last year or so has just been a wash, um, that it's, yeah, throw it out, get Mm -hmm. through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the challenge of the cross in this season is to understand our year, to understand the days that we've been through, um, Not as something which is wasted, but which is as something which God actually bends to his redemptive purpose Mm. through the cross in particular. Um, So, yeah, that was just kind of the ideal behind that. And so I took each of those little pieces, those little fragments, um, uh, a few of them there, cut them up small and actually just sealed them within the heart of the cross. Hmm. Um, so right there in the center? Right there in the in center, the center at the cross section. Yeah, the half, half, lap, half lap joint. Half, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so what said. in that, yeah, um, you'll see if you look at the cross on a Sunday morning, that little cross section where the two beams meet. So hidden hmm. in the cross, in the heart of the cross, are all those broken fragments, hmm. um, which symbolize... Um, just the fact that nothing is wasted in God's economy.
0: Um, I think there was one other special thing that you thought about when it came to the process of mm-hmm. making it.
1: Yeah, and this, I think, just ties into that same um processing of the season that we're in. Um, so there's a, a technique that sometimes people use um, to kind of distress the wood uh, in a carpentry project like this, which is just to, to torch it, to use a blowtorch and to kind of very gently burn the outer edges of, of the wood Um, So I did that with this cross, um, one, because it looks cool, (laughs) Um, but two, uh, just to symbolize how um, the cross uh, is an image of Jesus who identifies with our trials. Um, He identifies with our suffering. Um, The image of fire is used in the Bible all the time to symbolize trial and suffering. Um, And Yeah, and I was drawn to that concept, um, to that reality, that the cross is not only the place where Jesus redeems us from our sins, where he kind of turns the course of human history, but also uh, the place where he most fully identifies with us in our suffering, in our pain, in our trials. It's actually the place where he takes those upon himself he bears the full weight of our pain mm-hmm. um so that when we look at the cross and we see those dark burn marks um that we can see a god who uh full is fully with us yeah. when we suffer is fully with us in um moments of pain or confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the idea behind that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And just love, you know, when you look at the cross on that you've made on Sunday mornings, it's, it's beautiful, but you don't know all of these little details that went into your thought process as you were making it. And Mm -hmm. what you've really done is has been an act of worship for you personally, just such a devotional practice. So I love that we can hear more about that in your process and that we can then Mm -hmm. be invited even uh, more fully into, um, life in the cross. Yeah. So I think as we move into Holy week, I'm just asking myself and for us as a people, how can we Mm. engage with, um, the cross and specifically with this beautiful cross that you've made. Yeah. And I think the most immediate way that comes to mind, of course, is on Good Friday, we not only are focused on the cross and looking at the cross, but at -hmm. City of Light, we have this tradition of, and we got this from our sending church, from Church of the Resurrection, of Mm -hmm. picking up the cross, having um, two men carry the cross around the room and being able to behold it and to really take it in and then placing it down on the floor, Mm. Um, which is always really jarring for me um, to see the cross high and lifted up and then brought low and just this image of Mm -hmm. Christ humbling himself on the cross and being Mm. brought to death. But we have this opportunity to come to the cross Mm -hmm. to kneel at it, to pray at the cross and to really receive the cross in a very tangible, um, sacramental would be the big word, but (laughs) it's really tangible embodied way of coming close to the cross and to Jesus. So I'm always excited for that opportunity of, Mm -hmm. um, inviting others into that experience. And it really is powerful But what are some of the other ways that you see of interacting and engaging with the cross?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think maybe two things come to mind. The first one, more practical, um, and maybe the second, a bit more theological. But firstly, I don't know about any of you, but (laughs) I think sometimes when I am participating in worship on a Sunday morning, I I have a bit of a, an attention deficit so I I can find it very easy to be distracted at times um and 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 difficult to find a place to really fix my attention um and an, and it can even be difficult you know um as you're uh, uh hoping to connect with God to find a, a way that it feels tangible to do that, um, you know, when you can't see him. <laughs> um, and I think that one of the things that the cross does, having a physical cross in the space when we worship, um, is to simply give us a place to fix our attention on Jesus. Mm-hmm. It gives us a, uh, a tangible material point yeah. which we can look at um, and be reminded that Jesus is present there with us. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is um, is with us as surely as that cross is standing right there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think it just has a way of uh, redirecting our attention to Jesus throughout a service. Um, we can continually just keep looking back to it as we sing. As we pray, as we listen to the scriptures read and preached, um, just continuing to look back to the cross um, and to have our attention brought again to Jesus himself. Yeah. Um,
0: I always think even as as Trevor, my husband, father Trevor, of course, is um <laughs> celebrating communion, he always the priest will always have. A small crucifix mm. there at on top of the communion table yeah. um, to just really focus his attention with everything else going on in the room, especially right now during COVID with all yeah. of our children with us, which they're always with us during communion. <laughs> and we love that. Um, but just to have his eyes and that we can have all of our eyes fixed yeah. there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah amen. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe the last thing that 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 brings up for me, too, um, is just sort of the invitation, the broader invitation then that the cross makes to us um, in drawing our attention to Jesus as we worship and as we, as we are sent out from worship, um, you know, how do we bring the cross with us? How do we bring the reality and the story of Jesus with us um, in worship and then as we leave from worship um, I think maybe one thing which has been helpful for me is um, that the cross invites us to see Jesus's story in our own stories, mm-hmm. um, that whatever we brought with us into worship, whatever we're walking back out into, um, to be able to see uh, the Savior who suffers with us, the Savior who um, is is fully identifying with our pain, is fully taking on our sin to himself, um, that he's with us in those things, that he is with us in whatever circumstance, whatever situation we're facing in life. Um, so, so seeing Jesus in our own stories, but then also seeing uh, ourselves in the story of Jesus from that. Um, the story of Jesus doesn't end with the cross. The story of Jesus is uh, the story of death, and resurrection yeah. um, Amen. and I think that that we can see those moments of of pain those moments of confusion um, which Jesus is identifying with um, as not the full story for us either mm. um, mm-hmm. that the full story for us is the story of Jesus that there is a resurrection there is a future hope mm-hmm. um, God will bring his kingdom to fullness in the end um and we will be with him there that's sort of the invitation that i feel like i see the cross making um to me and to us um and hope that next time we come to worship together that this cross can make those same invitations to you and that you can see jesus in your story and you in his
0: yeah yeah absolutely um just just now as you were talking i i had this picture that i actually haven't had before but the the room that we worship in is on the third floor of mm. bureau of gravity you know and mm-hmm. you look out over the city of aurora and yeah. um just what a beautiful picture of the cross being high and lifted up over yeah the our city yeah. as well um Especially going into Holy Week and thinking mm. about the victory that the cross has and being able to behold the cross. And that yeah. just that picture of Jesus as King over mm. our lives and over our city. And that is an image of of beauty and of hope for yeah. um, for our neighborhoods and for our city. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I think that the most fitting way to end our conversation here, Marcus, to read one of the anthems that we um, read on Good Friday and we don't, don't always do this within the service but these are available to do on Good Friday mm. and it is about beholding the glory of the cross so let me mm. finish with this prayer mm. we adore you O Christ and we bless you because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world.
1: Amen. Amen.